You're listening to Steve Allen on the Think About It podcast. Hi, Steve here. Time has come to rip the masks off and to tell the government we're not going to play the games that the global elite want us to play. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Never before in the history of our country has the First Amendment come under total assault on all five issues at the same time. And yet, this is what we see in America today. Most of these attacks have been precipitated by the great panic of 2020, an artificially produced panic that surrounds the COVID-19 virus. And all of the governments of the world are following suit to shut down the global economy, to cause people to go into hibernation essentially by declaring lockdowns, by putting people into face masks, forcing them to social distance, All of these things are combining to make an existential threat to the United States of America, our Constitution, and indeed, our very way of life. Wearing a face mask poses a serious health risk to me. You'll know why at the end of the video. In a totalitarian system, even one dissident is dangerous. Allowing political opponents in view of the widespread public dissatisfaction was downright dangerous. The aim was to break the dissident spirit, to disarm them ideologically. And so we need to sort of keep that in mind as we go through this. Because in my opinion, after studying this and watching people and and watching responses and publishing articles in the local newspaper, uh, what I find is that the mandatory wearing of a mask it's not about controlling a virus at all. It's about controlling people. Uh, and this becomes evident as you examine the science and you examine uh, uh, your local public health officer's response uh, to your resistance and your arguments. And you find out he's not interested in science at all, or she's not interested in science. They're interested in politics and control. Uh, I did a lot of study of the physics of uh, mask wearing, particularly the surgical mask and uh, the cone mask and the cloth mask, uh, which is the most common. You see a lot of cloth masks. And so what what has been discovered looking at this all the way back through influenza uh, mask wearing to see if it would help. Uh, what the uh, people who deal with the physics of the, the mask and the and the breath coming through the mask is that there's a jet and a plume effect. Now, the mask wearing is dependent on the idea that when you speak or you sing or you call for sneeze, you're spewing out large particles. And the large particle can travel, if you call for sneeze, about six feet. What they've discovered since then is that In fact, it's not spread primarily by large aerosol droplets. It's spread by the fine aerosol droplet, which can travel 27 feet to 30 feet. 
it forms a gigantic plume. Now, if we look at uh, a demonstration of this plume effect, now this is this is uh, Dr. Ted Noel, uh, he's an anesthesiologist, and what he did, he's put on different types of masks, and he's vaping. So he, he uses a, a vapor, you know, the vape, uh, which is primarily expelling intermediate size droplets. And this mask that he's wearing is a little bit different surgical mask in that it has a, a, a sponge rubber across the nose to keep your breath from going up into your eyes. With the other mask, what you see is that the uh, breath goes up into your eyes. So you're contaminating your eyes, you're contaminating out to the side. Now this is a cone type mask and you can see here, these intermediate droplets went right through the mask without any difficulty at all. You get a tremendous stream effect of this plume going straight up and out both sides. Now this mask is supposedly designed to be very resistant to penetration and allow you to breathe. And what we see is it penetrates through the front of the mask quite easily, up through the eyes, uh, covering the top of the face and the hair. Now if a person uh, touches their hair, of course they've contaminated themselves, their eyes are contaminated, their face is contaminated. And if you look at this from the sides, you see that this penetration here, if you're standing fairly close to someone, this, this plume is going right in their face. So you're getting absolutely no protection by this mask. Now this is a cloth mask. Here we see this gigantic plume that's going all in the hair, top of the head, uh, jetting out the sides, and coming straight through the mask as if the mask is not in there. So you remember these are intermediate sized particles. They're not, this is not the fine particle. Fine particles could get through even better, quicker, more extensively. Now, if you look from the side, he's following uh, this store patron uh, down the aisle, following the arrows. And you see she's uh, penetrated her mask, creating a plume in the front. She's blowing it up uh, straight over her hair, contaminating her hair, down her mask into the front of her dress and her arms and hands and whatever's in the basket. And then she's producing this tremendous jetting effect, which they found the greatest jet is out the sides and backwards. She's producing this huge plume and he's walking right through it. She thinks she's being safe because I'm not projecting forward, which she tried to convince people this is the only danger is in front of the mass, which you're breathing out. Where actually you're producing this massive plume or cloud of infectious particles, the highest density infectious particles, and he's walking right through the middle of it. Now his face, his hair, his mat, his clothes, everything is contaminated. So what we see is that this idea that somehow the mask is preventing infections by making people think uh, this is protecting them from uh, uh, expelling it forward, it's actually spreading the, back, the, the infection uh, much wider because people don't know they're walking through this invisible plume and you can't see this plume. Uh, it's invisible. And it's like I said, it travels 30 feet, on 27, 30 feet. Uh, and eventually, if you're a heavily infected person or you have two or three 
people infected in the store, uh, that plume will start to rise and cover the entire store eventually. And what they found with the particles is they can last suspended in the air for hours. And some say indefinitely. Some of the studies found it's indefinite uh, uh, plume effect that stays in the air. So uh, this is really fooling people by making them think that this is safe, but actually it's, it's, it's uh, the best way, if I wanted to spread the virus, it's the best way to do it. Walk up and down the aisles, contaminating everything on every shelf, my basket, my food, my hands, my face, my hair, the person behind me. Uh, the other thing that you have to realize is the studies, and there's a number of these studies have carefully looked at it with the question, exactly how much virus uh, is located in these droplets. And to their surprise, they found the uh, vast majority of the uh, droplets had no virus in it at all. 70% uh, had no virus in it. And this was particularly the, the droplets that were the large droplets uh, in front of the mouth. So that kind of changes the whole uh, argument as well because what they were implying was that all the droplets are filled with virus and they're all infectious. Now, not only did they find that the, the droplets, uh, only a certain number of them have viruses in it, and again, it's most dense, and the, the fine aerosol that's going the furthest, then they looked at, well, is the virus alive or is it dead? And when they looked at it, they found out to their surprise, and a number of people there's no viable virus at all. And only a few people are actually, I'm talking about a few of the infected people, are actually expelling live virus uh, to any great extent. And some don't expel it at all. Now, as you're watching this, these people walk up and down the aisle, what you're also seeing, not only they're expelling this turbulent cloud, but they're under the illusion, well, this is protecting me. Well, the air goes, uh, back the other way as well. As you inhale, it sucks it through the side of the mat, the mask, over the top, underneath, and through the, the fabric of the, the mask itself. So they're inhaling a high concentration of these uh, uh, fine aerosols, some of which are infected, some of which are not. Well, what about the danger of just wearing a mask because of this hypoxia effect and hypercapnia? Well, when I started looking at what are the criteria for admitting someone to the hospital and into the ICU? Well, the criteria, according to CDC, that most everyone follows all over the country, uh, is that the person can stay home as long as they can breathe without difficulty. But if they begin to complain of shortness of breath, they should be hospitalized and watched. And if in the hospital, they complain of progressive hypoxia, of difficulty breathing. Then you put them in the ICU, measure their uh, blood gases, and if the blood gases are around 92, 90, you consider a uh, possibility of intubation and placing them on a respirator. Now, what most people are doing that are staying home, is they're wearing a mask. And the mask is causing a sensation of shortness of breath anxiety. They're already in a case in a state of anxiety because they're hearing this news constantly coming over the news broadcast. 
of this terrible case where these people died and this couple died and this person died and what a horrible death it was and they show all these terrifying things. So they're looking at this and they think they, they get short of breath, not due to any pulmonary problem, but because of anxiety or panic attack. So then they call the doctor, say, I'm having trouble breathing and it seems to be worse. They say, we'll come into the hospital. They admit them, well, what's the first thing they do when they're put in the hospital? They put a mask on. That further worsens their shortness of breath, the SOB, shortness of breath, especially when combined with hospital anxiety because they're looking around the hospital, everyone's wearing uh, full uh, protective clothing, a mask, uh, a hat, goggles, uh, gloves, shoe covers, and acting as if they're working in a, a, a experimental laboratory handling dangerous viruses. So it's, it terrifies them so they get further anxiety that worsens the shortness of breath. And so then they transfer them to the ICU. They seem to be deteriorating and they put a mask on and they measure their blood gases. And as it begins to drop, they say, well, you're, you're having progressive falling of your O2. We need to intubate you. Well, patients that are on ventilators have a 50% to 90% mortality rate, which is horrendous. Most people outside of hospitals don't wear their masks properly. Another thing about the hospitalized patient, uh, one of the uh, doctors working in the intensive care unit treating a number of these patients, he was quite astute and he noticed something. He said, I, I noticed that the hypoxia or, or the shortness of breath they were having was different than anything we see usually. Uh, even though their blood gas was low, they were perfectly calm and could talk in complete sentences, uh, which is completely unlike someone who's having a, a major pulmonary event. Uh, they can't, they talk, talk in, in sentence fragments uh, and, and they constantly uh, fighting to get breath. They weren't doing that. And he said that was very strange. He couldn't figure that out. And so when they did the CT scan of their chest to see if there's all these changes they characteristically see, he said when they first came into the ICU, their lungs looked normal. But after being there a while and putting them in this bath, uh, this mask, their lungs deteriorated and they got worse. And then the lungs looked like the typical lungs we see with this syndrome and precipitating the, the, uh, uh, cytokine storm uh, and then of course once they're on the respirator it does further damage to the lungs increases the the uh, inflammation and they precipitate to a point of, of death in a high percentage the people who are saying and in our own state our our public health official he's obsessed with math he thinks it's the greatest thing in the world and it's, it's the only thing that's going to save us uh, but as i go around town and i go in restaurants and i watch people I watch them intently. Most people outside of the hospital do not wear their mask properly. People don't know how to wear it. They expose their nose, and you have to realize the nose has by far the highest, highest viral load anywhere in the body. It's higher, far higher than the mouth. A lot of people think it's in the mouth. They all have very loose-fitting masks, or most of them, which has high probability of this venting effect. They're constantly touching their mask. Uh, when they talk, the mask rides down off their nose and they'll invariably grab it right at the nose site, 
pull it back up over their nose. Well, they're touching the most contaminated part of their mask. They take their mask off when they get to the table, to get to the table, because the law says you have to wear the mask to come into the restaurant. But once you're at your table, you can take it off and sit there for an hour without a mask on. That makes no sense. But if you watch them, they'll take that mask and they'll fold it up with bare hands. They'll lay it on the tabletop and they'll set their cell phone on top of it. Face masks, these face masks are the most important, powerful public health tool we have. <laughs> and I will continue to appeal for all Americans, all individuals in our country, to embrace these face coverings. I've said it, if we did it for six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, we'd bring this pandemic uh, under control. These actually, we have clear scientific evidence. They work and they are our best defense. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine because the immunogenicity may be 70%. And if I don't get an immune response, the vaccine's not gonna protect me. This face mask will. So I do wanna keep asking the American public to take the responsibility, particularly the 18, uh, to 25 year olds where we're seeing the outbreak in America continue to go like this because we haven't got the acceptance, the personal responsibility that we need for all Americans to embrace this face mask. Well, if they are infected, they've infected the tabletop, they've infected their hands, and they've infected their cell phone. And a lot of them will take the mask and put it in their pocket or the women will put it in their purse. Well, now they've contaminated everything in the purse. They've contaminated their pocket. Every time they put their hands in their pocket, they're contaminated. The mask falls below the nose, as I said, when they talk, the mask only uh, wearing, entering a, and leaving a restaurant is so idiotic, it's just it's hard to conceive anyone could believe that the virus is so smart, it only hangs around the entrance and the exit of the restaurant. And I would watch people and they would get up from their table and just religiously put that mask on before they walked out of the restaurant. I said, you've been sitting here for 30 minutes or an hour talking, carrying on, doing all the things, and suddenly you have to wear a mask to leave the restaurant. And a lot of them outside will continue to wear their mask, get in their car, and they're wearing their mask uh, in the car, which is absolutely insane. The point of all this is that there is no way that an expert in, in infectious diseases and the transmission of diseases would look at what people are doing and saying, this has a positive effect on containing this infection. It's a joke. It's to control people and see who can we make do something this ridiculous. Can we have our public health official convince people to do something that he should know is ridiculous, that all the studies have shown does not work? Because they tried this with influenza uh, numerous times, did community studies to see can you control infection by having the public uh, and the community wear a mask. And they had them wear them day and night. They even had them sleeping in the mask. They found there was no significant effect. Every major study, they all had the same result. There's no significant effect on reducing the infection rate or the seriousness of infection. So uh, they know that. Now, no one in the science field, particularly in infectious diseases, virology, would not know. And one of the things of being a neurosurgeon that I'm really concerned about, because I've done a lot of study with other conditions in which uh, things are transmitted by the olfactory nerve to the brain. And we know that a number of infectious agents can be transmitted along the olfactory nerve directly into the brain. 
when you're wearing a mask, there's a there's a temporary delay of the virus getting through the mask and you're sucking more virus back in. And what the studies have shown, uh, when you inhale a virus, only about 30% will stay in the lung tissue. The other 70% is exhaled. Uh, when it goes up into your nose, it's exposed to the your, your uh, smell nerve, your olfactory nerve. And these viruses can travel directly along the olfactory nerve, which goes directly to the parts of the brain that has to do with memory and learning. We call it entorhinal cortex and hippocampus. And the prefrontal cortex, which is your behavioral control, and the amygdala, which controls anxiety and panic attacks. So this, this can uh, cause a considerable amount of problem. And possibly uh, wearing these every day for months could cause progressive neurodegeneration. This is something we're only going to find out about later. So we have a lot of things involved here. We, we have possibility that these masks are triggering the need to be uh, put in a hospital and intubated. Patients with pre-existing lung disease, COPD, emphysema, pulmonary fibrosis, they have difficulty tolerating a mask of any kind for prolonged periods. Uh, people who have heart disease and very fragile hearts uh, the, the hypoxia will trigger an arrhythmia, which is what kills most people that have heart disease, particularly heart attack, you die from arrhythmia. And what if you're wearing a mask and you have a heart attack, even a mild heart attack, now the hypoxia makes the heart attack more likely to kill you. Nobody is paying attention. Panic attacks, anxiety, uh, depression, and working hypertension. Uh, but no one seems to be paying attention to this so obsessed with the math. The next stage, and what all this is about is to try to set the stage where we can stop all of this, the distancing, the staying at home and closing businesses and wearing a mask once we have a vaccine. And everyone must take it, you see? And that's what this is about. Because they're, they're, they're talking about vaccinating the entire world, which would be the largest profit ever made on any pharmaceutical product. And so I, I've just uh, thought I would go through some of the things about vaccines that they didn't know and things they did know. For instance, the flu vaccine, uh, is, uh, even now they tell everyone six months of age and older needs a flu vaccine every year. Six months of age. Even though two of the largest studies ever done showed that the flu vaccine had no effectiveness below age two. It was no better than a placebo. When they look at the effectiveness of flu vaccines in the elderly living at home, not in a nursing home, they found no, no benefit. Yet, even though that is now admitted by them because they had to admit that these people uh, uh, do not benefit from the flu vaccine, he said you should take it anyway. Uh, the number of vaccines that, were, that have been examined we know are heavily contaminated. The polio vaccine had SV40 uh, virus in it, which is a sarcoma virus, and is connected to a number of, of deadly malignancies, particularly in childhood. Medulloblastoma, uh, pendymoma, uh, so, uh, and osteosarcoma, uh, mesothelioma. So 100 million people were contaminated by the polio vaccine. Even after they found out it was contaminated, they continued to give it because they tried to convince people SV40 
would not cause tumor in humans until a, a, one of our brilliant uh, scientists tested it and said, yes, it can. And it does it very easily. So not only have we contaminated 100 million people at the time of the polio vaccine, but even after they cleaned the vaccine of SV40, young people who were born to the parents of infected parents were also being found to have SV40. So it's passing what we call a vertical transmission. It's passing through generations. We can't get rid of it. The MMR vaccine, they found avian leukosis virus in it. Uh, one of the PCR tests of a number of vaccines, they found over 106 viruses that had not been declared by the vaccine makers. Uh, they find DNA fragments in the, uh, many of these vaccines. And when the, the uh, vaccine makers were asked, well, what harmful effect or possible effect could DNA fragments cause in a vaccine? The answer is from the, these experts at the, the pharmaceutical companies, well, we don't really know. Well, to me, that's a reason to pull them off the market. If you don't know what the effect's gonna be, I sure ain't gonna tell you. Now, the other thing they found glyphosate, which is the main ingredient in Roundup, was found in most vaccines. And it was found to be in a concentration 20 times higher in the MMR vaccine uh, than in the other vaccine. So it has a very high concentration glyphosate, which is known to affect the development of the brain and is connected to cancer. Now, you know, some of the largest lawsuits have been based on the fact that Roundup uh, and glyphosate uh, indeed causes cancer. The Hib vaccine increases the risk of infection for two weeks after the child gets it. Uh, most people don't know that many of these viruses and bacteria are, are immune suppressing. Uh, people think that HIV is immune suppressing virus. Uh, M, um, measles vaccine is a powerful immune suppressing virus. Uh, the H influenza the B is a powerful immune suppressing uh, bacteria. Uh, the nasal flu vaccine, uh, it was uh, marketed all over the world as a great thing that you just spray this in your nose with a live virus and it kills several children for Japan. Uh, forced it off the market in Japan, but everywhere else continued to use it, particularly the United States. They have found mycoplasma, bacteria of various kinds, viral fragments as contaminants in these vaccines. Uh, squalene, mercury, aluminum, which are found in a, a great number of vaccines, particularly squalene and, and this new vaccine we'll talk about. And it's known all these things because they have normal brain development. There was a condition called macrophagic myofasciitis, which was discovered uh, uh, in France. And uh, what it does, it produces uh, intense muscle weakness and fatigue. And in children, there are several cases of children becoming so demented that they had to be institutionalized for the rest of their life. And it, they found that it's because the macrophages, the cells, uh, the immune cells, uh, absorb massive amounts of this aluminum and carry it to the brain. ALS is strongly connected to aluminum. Explosion of autoimmune diseases has occurred since we've had all these vaccines. The Schoenfeld syndrome, I know him personally, and uh, uh, he has proven beyond any doubt that there is a 
a massive increase in autoimmune diseases, and it's due to the adjuvants that are put in these vaccines. Flu vaccine in pregnant women were shown to cause a 400% increase in miscarriage. Uh, a 20-year study of flu vaccines among the elderly found no reduction in hospitalization, pneumonia, or death, despite the increased vaccine rates during that 20-year period. It started out at 15%, went to 65%, and yet there was no reduction in these three things. Well, if you go in your doctor's office and you see posters all over his wall, that says elderly need to get their flu vaccine because they're high risk of hospi needing hospitalization, pneumonia, are dying from the influenza. Yet this 20-year study and a follow-up study found the same thing. Uh, there was no reduction in those three things from getting a flu vaccine. It was a complete lie. Vaccinating, uh, they started uh, another idea they had, well, we'll vaccinate the school children for the influenza to reduce community infection rates. They thought, well, the community is getting it from the children. So if we vaccinate the children, it'll quit spreading through the community. What they found, it actually increased the hospitalization rate in both the children and the adults living in the same house with a vaccinated child. And that's because vaccination with the influenza vaccine increases about 4.4 fold the risk of a child getting a respiratory infection within the next eight months. The aluminum dose given to a two-year-old if they follow the uh, recommended vaccine schedule is 50-fold higher than the FDA's that is safe for an adult. And that aluminum dramatically affects the child's brain development. Now let's look at the messenger RNA vaccine. That's the one they're proposing for this COVID-19 nonsense, a, a, a virus that has a 99.8% survival rate. 80% are asymptomatic. This is a very benign virus for the vast majority of the population. Well, they have two types of this RNA virus. They have a non-replicating messenger RNA and the more dangerous virally driven self-amplifying RNA, which combines what's an adjuvant called MF59. Uh, and it also contains viral replicating machines. The MF-59 is squalene. That was what was connected with the Gulf War Syndrome. It killed tens of thousands of soldiers and crippled far greater. Uh, I, I can't believe they're putting MF-95 in this vaccine. The human trials of these early vaccines, 101 healthy volunteers were given three doses, all reported mild to moderate local reactions where they got the vaccine. 78% had systemic reactions fever, headache, chills, and things that the vaccine uh, companies were not disclosed when they were asked, what other, whatever complication did they get? They said it's proprietary information, we won't release it. The second trial was 30, 23 people. All of them had local reactions and three had serious reactions at the infection, at the injection site. They also complained of myalgia, headache, fatigue, and chills. Now, you may have heard of the recent trial with the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. Uh, one subject passed out and he was so sick he had to be hospitalized. They tried to cover it up, but unfortunately for them, it got out. One has developed transverse myelitis, which paralyzes you. It's like your core, spinal cord has been cut in half. And one developed multiple sclerosis, which they tried to claim, well, they must have had it before. Well, no, he didn't. 
and uh, if it was subclinical, the vaccine precipitated it. And it's estimated that about 10% of people have uh, un, uh, non-clinical uh, multiple sclerosis and may go through life and never know it. But if you get a vaccine, it can precipitate it and make it full-blown uh, multiple sclerosis. Now, this is the safety concerns that they live. Uh, systemic inflammation. Well, that's what kills you with, with uh, the uh, coronavirus infection. And that's what causes most diseases that we deal with, systemic inflammation. The other concern was bile distribution and persistent immune reactivity, which is a fancy word. They're afraid that this RNA virus would uh, be distributed throughout the body and cause persistent inflammation in the body. In other words, your whole body would become inflamed. Uh, they were afraid of stimulating autoimmune reactive antibodies, in other words, called uh, autoimmune diseases. They were concerned about the toxic effect of non-native nucleotides uh, and the delivery system uh, mechanism uh, causing toxic effects in the body. They don't know. Uh, interferon type 1 autoimmunity can be triggered. Uh, swelling of the tissues, breakdown of, of the uh, barriers in the gut and the brain could be caused by the naked extracellular RNA that escapes. And, hypercoagulation of all things. That means having a blood clot. Well, one of the things they say you're seeing with these serious cases of COVID is blood clots. So your vaccine uh, would cause blood clots. So these are some pretty serious things uh, that uh, are being toyed with and they really have no earthly idea what this vaccine would do. They have no idea of the long-term consequences. If you vaccinate everybody in the United States by force, and five years later you find out large numbers of them are going to have MS, large numbers are going to develop transverse myelopathy, autoimmune diseases, you could cripple this nation. And people would not be able to work. Their lives would be ruined forever. You know, so this is something that is a, a, such uh, a, enormous consequences we must absolutely stop any idea of a mandatory vaccination program. From where exactly do we derive our right to refuse unwanted medical intervention for ourselves and with our children? Uh, the Constitution, the Nuremberg Code, that's kind of the question, but everybody seems to be interested. I've published two really extensive articles in, in our local paper. Our, our newspapers are loves my viewpoint. I had very little. The doctors that I used to work with, gosh, that sounds great. You know, we, we don't think we should wear a mask either. But, you know, people are complying. And this is a test. I mean, it, the fact that they put this virus purposely in nursing homes and half of the deaths in the United States are from nursing homes. I call it the culling virus. You're culling the herd. You're taking elderly, sick people who are the most vulnerable with any kind of respiratory virus, even a cold virus, and you're killing them all by the thousand. Well, what does the socialist medical care system want? Those are the most expensive people to take care of. They've talked about, we need to get rid of these people or just deny them health care so that we can afford a, a socialist health care system. And the socialist health care center, the best people are the healthy people, the young people. So we need to get rid of the sick and the old and, and the people who have three and four chronic diseases. I mean, uh, Rahm Emanuel 
if you read the things that he had written, he said that after age 70, he shouldn't treat people. If they get sick, they should let them die. And they moved it down to 65. Well, in England, they did that. If you had heart disease, you couldn't get a coronary bypass if you're 65 or above. Well, that's who needs coronary bypass. What, it, it saved the National Health Service a lot of money. Just let them die off. And so, you know, a lot of this stuff is, it's, I don't see how you can escape it. How could you order nursing homes to take an infected patient with a respiratory virus when it is known that a cold virus in a nursing home will kill 8% of the people? A simple cold virus. They knew that. Someone purposely was doing this. The cure, the, the way to protect the public is ventilation. All the studies in hospitals and everywhere else, we gather the highest concentration of infected patients. In the hospitals that use ventilation system, high-tech ventilation system, the infection of the medical staff was extremely low. If they just depended on masks and gowns and gloves, 20% of them were getting infected. I had one of the doctors I know. Uh, he's, he was one of 17 doctors who got infected from one patient, well, I mean one worker. They all wore masks and gowns and, gla and goggles all the time. All 17 of them came down infected at the same time. It's because none of that stuff protects you. What protects you is dilute the virus so much by ventilation. That's why when you go outside, you're not going to catch the virus walking around outside. UV rays kills the virus. And it's so dilute outside, you got to have a certain viral volume and concentration in order to get infected. If you have a good, strong immune system, you're not going to get infected even with a high viral uh, uh, volume. And so what, what, when we try to tell people, well, you know, you need your, your vitamin D. For instance, if, if we look at, well, who's dying? Most, 70% to 80% of the deaths are in people that are have dark skin, blacks or Hispanics. Why is that? Well, it's not discrimination doing it. It's because they have extremely low vitamin D level. The studies show that 75% of blacks have extremely low vitamin D level because they need six times more sunlight exposure, direct sunlight exposure, produce a normal amount of vitamin D. And so when we look at people, uh, the Indonesian studies looked at people who had normal vitamin D levels versus low, the death rate in the low vitamin D was horrendous. The death rate in people with normal vitamin D or high vitamin D was almost nothing. It was less than a, than a flu. So we know that. There's immune stimulus, beta-glucan. Uh, if you took beta-glucan once a week, you'd never catch this virus. That's why young people don't get it. Most of them have pretty good immune systems. It doesn't even take that great of immune system. But if you have all of these diseases, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, the one thing that, that is the common denominator is they have low vitamin D uh, levels and they have immune impairment. You can stimulate their immunity and they won't die from this virus. They won't get this far. Why do they think that the death rate in young people is zero? It's not even a, a fraction of a percent. It's zero because they have good immune systems. So do you see the public health authorities, CDC, uh, Dr. Fossey saying everyone should pay attention to their nutrition and take vitamin D and vitamin C and, and the B vitamins and beta-glucan and things we know that are stimulating? No. No, because they want a lot of people dead. Because then they say, well, we need a vaccine. Vaccine's your only hope. The only way to eliminate the threat of this disease somewhere is to eliminate it everywhere. The solution is to vastly increase the manufacturing capacity 
so we can cover everyone as soon as possible. Thank you. You see, and because people were beginning to rebel against this match, what did Redfield, the head of the CDC, testify before Congress? He sat there before Congress, wadding up his, his mask in his hands. You're not supposed to touch it. He's wadding up his mask in his hands saying, this is the most powerful weapon we have against this fire. Now, the CDC uh, a month ago said it, it has no effect on this fire. So we know he's lying because there's no studies that suddenly appeared between the time the CDC said it's not going to have any effect and, and now this is our most powerful weapon. Same thing with Palsy. He got on uh, uh, YouTube. You can see him on YouTube. He's telling you that this mask does nothing. You know, if it makes you feel better, go ahead and wear it, but it's not going to protect you. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Next thing, so everybody needs a mask. And, and you say, well, what study came out that suddenly changed your mind? There's none. There's none. Not a single study came out that said, hey, it works. You see, and so these clues tell you there's another agenda. It has nothing to do with this virus. They know you could contain this virus just by getting people to take some immune stimulants and, and a few vitamins. Put the mask on and wait for the vaccine. They're already busy in Congress trying to convince a congressman that we need to make this mandatory. Why would you have a mandatory vaccine that has a survival rate of 99.8%. Makes no sense. And even the people that are elderly and weak, 80% of them are recovering as long as they stay off the respirator. So why would this be into the question about what our, our, our constitutional protections? The only way you can have a national medical emergency is that a large number of people are at risk from death. They know this is a very benign virus for the vast majority of the population. And it would never reach that level to justify these draconian measures. There's somebody found a, a statute that says people who fake a medical uh, emergency like this, a national emergency, can go to jail for life. And if it, it's being put in the courts right now to charge them under this statute, I think it's Title 19. and. If they convict them, these governors, these medical experts that, that are working for public health, they could go to prison for life. And if you uh, precipitate fraud in the course of a medical uh, pseudo-emergency, it's 30 years in prison. They apparently don't know that. In fact, the, the person that's filing this suit went before city council and he said, we never heard this law. That ain't gonna keep them out of jail. And that's what we need. We need a lot of people going to jail over it because they have murdered. They have murdered a lot of people. When all this started, we thought the hospitals were overrun. You remember that? And then we found out whole hospitals were completely empty. They weren't even seeing traditional patients. They were empty. They were packing a lot of patients in one hospital to make it look like it was overrun. And then you had three or four hospitals completely empty. In fact, one of the hospitals was complaining. Why are you complaining you're overrun? We don't have a single patient in our whole hospital. And then our, 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 our intrepid uh, 
uh, reporters, citizen reporters, started to go out and look in emergency rooms. They were empty. They had thousands of respirators that they, they manufactured, tens of thousands. They sit in idle. They never took them out of the package. Why? Because all of these deaths, that 208,000 deaths they keep talking about, it, it's a lie. They didn't, that, those people didn't die from this. They died of their disease, of hypertension, heart disease, stroke. You know how many people die every year in this country? 2.8 million die every year from their diseases. Did you notice this year there were no calls about how many people died of the influenza? Not a word. Well, did they, those cases disappear? Did we hear about them in the hospital? Not a single influenza case was told, uh, we were told in the hospital. They have 382,000 patients supposedly every year that are admitted with influenza. There wasn't a single one admitted during this, this pseudo crisis. Everybody they had flu, they, they, they counted them as a COVID. They had people that were hit by a bus and killed, counted as a COVID. And now they find out 90% of the tests were false. New York Times reported 90% of the tests were false. And at, at, at the lowest figure is 50% are false positives. Now why? Because they're doing PCR testing. PCR testing does not tell you whether the virus is alive or dead. It doesn't even tell you if it's a whole virus. It used to be a piece of a virus. And it could cross-react with a, a cold coronavirus. There's a lot of different types of coronavirus. You know, one of the most common cold viruses is the coronavirus. And it cross-reacts with the PCR test. So when they say, oh, the cases are increasing, and right here in our state, our, our public health are screaming that the cases are in increasing, yet the death rate was falling. And he claimed the mask was working. Well, mask doesn't keep you from dying. Why was the death rate falling? All over the world. Not just here, everywhere, every country. Sweden didn't do any of these things. They didn't wear masks, they didn't social distance, they didn't lock down, they did nothing. They had less deaths than the United States. Is anybody asking these questions? Anybody answering these questions? Any of these politicians coming forward and having to ask this, answer these questions? They should be put before tribunal and said, you have uh, perpetrated a fake crisis worldwide. We found out Fawcett gave $2.8 million to the very lab that created this fund. $2.8 million in, in, in uh, 2016. He gave money to this buyer, to this lab, which is run by the PLA, the Chinese Communist military. Do you think he didn't know that? He knew that. Why would you give $2.8 million of taxpayer dollars to a military-run virology lab whose main function is producing bioweapons? Vaccines don't last two or three years, four years and then they don't work anymore. And then you need another one. But they love that. You make more money. You gotta have a vaccine again. Well, it's not only it doesn't work like natural immunity, it ruins natural. And most vaccines, which people don't know, uh, work through a system called the Th2 system, which is immune inhibitory. Aluminum, the number one adjuvant put in vaccines, stimulates Th2, which suppresses your immunity, makes you more vulnerable to infection weakens your immune system. And what's happened to our society, our children have 69 uh, vaccines before they, they start school. Their immune system is, is severely damaged. And we're seeing people now, I, I see so many young people that, that have immune related diseases, I'm appalled. They can't resist anything. They're susceptible to all kinds, they're sick all the time.
you know, and it's because just that you need to expose your immune system. This virus would be the virus you use for herd immunity because 80% of the population is not significantly affected by it. If 80% of the population is exposed to the virus and develops immunity, the, the virus is gone, it's done. And, and the chief medical officer that used to be the chief medical officer for Pfizer Pharmaceutical, he's written an article that said, this, this is over. Herd immunity has destroyed this virus, it's gone, except for a few straggling cases of the, in people who are really weak. He said, it's essentially over. Yet we're still doing this draconian nonsense. People have forgotten. You remember when they say we're gonna do a lockdown just for two weeks? We just wanna flatten the curve. Well, we flatten the curve. Two weeks later, well, we gotta expend another month, another month, another month, another month, six months, two years. You see, and it was a game they were playing. How much will you put up with? Will you be compliant? They destroyed business. 60% of businesses will never return. They're destroyed. Now, we don't do this for influenza. This is no more deadly than influenza. And most of the population age groups are not even affected significantly. And yet we destroyed 60% of the jobs in this country, ruined those lives, deaths from despair, far exceed what this virus has actually killed. CDC had to admit only 9,600 people have actually died from virus. For that, we destroyed the economy of this country. We ruined social relationships. We shut down funerals, weddings. Old people had to die in the hospital alone without their family with them. That's how heartless this thing is. People don't realize what's happened here. That people, this elderly person, ending his life and he can't have his family with him. A person is, is burying their loved one and they can't have a decent funeral where people get together and hug it and comforting each other. That's the idiocy of this benign acting virus for most of the population. You've destroyed human relationships. And they want to see how many of you people will go along with it. And unfortunately, it's frightening to me because I see most will. You tell me I can't comfort my mother when my dad dies? <laughs> that ain't going to happen. And people getting married, you tell them they can't have their, their, their people with them to celebrate this happy moment. And you, you don't get to do it again. You don't get to dig up your loved one and have a funeral later when they quit playing this game. Yet we're so compliant, people did it instead of saying, telling these politicians, no, we're gonna remove you from office and we're gonna file criminal charges against you. See, now that we found this federal statute, that's what we need to do. They need to go to prison for life because they have killed thousands of people from despair. It has been shown that a 1% unemployment caused by an event like this over 10 years uh, kills uh, 39,000 people. Now we've had 15, 17% unemployment. You're killing a lot more people by despair. Suicides have tripled. People are, are drinking more. They're taking drugs. They're abusing their family. Child abuse is going out of the roof. All over a ridiculous virus. And people are putting up with it. They become sheep. We're a nation of sheep. It would take nothing for a foreign invader to come and just take over. All they can do is say, well, we'll take away some of your, your movies and, and maybe your fancy outfit. 
Oh no, I'll, I'll do it, whatever you want to do. I'll, I'll do it. People have no idea what they're inviting into this country. And that's what's scary to me. When I see all these people draped in their little masks and their face diapers and their muzzles, all I can think is all you people, if you don't come to, to alertness, you're going to sit in a gulag. You're going to be looking at a gulag wondering what happened. If people think that's ex excessive, it ain't excessive. That's just what happened in all these countries. You ask, you know, I got good friends of Cubans. You ask them what happened in Cuba. That's exactly what happened. They were free. They were happy. They were prosperous. And overnight, snap of the fingers, they lost everything. They've never gotten it back. Soviet Union, China, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos. All of it is all the same, same scenario. Promise them a little something, free this, free that, world utopia, and they gave up their freedom and they never got it back. And we've got to wake up now, we're gonna lose everything and you'll never get it back. If people think this is gonna end, no, it's not gonna end. This is the beginning of the end. This is the, this is the last quarter of the game. You're either gonna win it or you're gonna lose it. But this is, this is, this is the test whether you really want freedom. If you don't have a relationship with the living God, I want to remind you that, like in most of my videos, there's a link in the description box below where you can go down there and click on that link and it'll take you to a simple prayer to receive the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christ, the real and only way for eternal life for any of us. Go down there and click on that link now. If you'd like to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Do it now. Think about it.